Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Hey, we thank you for being with us today, but I got a question for you. For who? It's for everybody. It's for them, the listeners, and for you. You ready? Uh, you go ahead and ask. Are you fam? I'm fam. Are you a part of the fam? I am a part of the fam, and more than that, I never go against the fam. You never go against the fam. Never. You're not allowed to go against the never. fam. Can't do it. Which level of the fam are you in, though? Because we got like the red-headed stepchild level. <laughs> we got, no, you We didn't. got a little bit higher level, and then we come up to the top. Depends on where you're at. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> the fam is the way you can join us at Founders Ministries. Tom, tell everybody what the fam's about. This is the Founders Alliance membership opportunity that you have to partner with us here at Founders. Uh, as you know, Founders exists uh, by God's grace and through the kindness of God's people as he stirs them up to support us. And we've been doing everything we've been doing for the last 30 years with the uh, goodness of God's people being behind us. And so you can support us uh, financially by contributing to this Founders Alliance membership. You do it become three a, different be, levels. Becoming you a Founders out Alliance member. You do this at founders.org. Go to founders.org. Mm-hmm. Click give. You're going to hear about the FAM and the three different levels, a trial subscription, a shield subscription, and a sword subscription. And we want to resource you with all different kinds of uh, good doctrinal content. And there's different levels and different partnerships. But if you come in at any level of the FAM, you get access to the Founders Armory. And you don't want to go, you don't want to go fight a battle without no. going to the armory. You got to have your armor, and man. We got some serious exclusive content in there starting with something you're doing, the pastoral epistles with Pastor Tom. Say that three times fast. Pastoral epistles with Pastor Tom. Pep talks. Pep talks. Um, so you preached through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. Mm-hmm. You edited a book called Dear Timothy, Letters on Pastoral Ministry, available at founders.org. Uh, but you're going to be walking through the pastoral epistles, but to get that content you got to join the fam. We also have a conference coming up May 12th through 14th. We sure about that? I'm absolutely sure. It's in Louisville, Kentucky. Let's double check. No, what's the dates? Oh. 14th? Can we recut that? 14th. You had it backwards. It's 41. May 14th through the 16th. If you get there the 12th, though, you'll get an early seat. That's right. That's right. If you're really committed, get there on the 12th. (laughs) Go into your prayer closet, downtown Louisville. And pray for the upcoming conference. What, what's the uh, what's the hotel for me now? Seelbach. Seelbach. Historic hotel in downtown Louisville, 15 minutes away from Southern Seminary. Where the Great Gatsby was filmed. Yes. So uh, come join us. Find out more information at founders.org. Hey, in our first segment here, we like to talk about different things that are going on either in the culture or things that are applicable to the church, uh, issues that are pressing upon us today. We actually want to talk about the topic of church discipline today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of churches, especially in the think about the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, there's all kinds of members that we say we have that we actually have no idea where they're at. And mm-hmm. the reason that we're in that kind of position where you might have a certain amount of people that are coming to your church on a Sunday, actually uh, partaking of your worship service, uh, coming, eating the Lord's Supper, 
hearing the word preached, but you have a vastly uh, a greater number of people who are not coming but are somehow on your rolls is because we've really lost this idea of church discipline. So uh, kind of spell out the basics, Tom. Should the church discipline its members? Yeah, absolutely. The Lord Jesus commands that in Matthew chapter 18. The church is to be comprised of people who have credible professions of faith in Christ. In other words, the church should be comprised of disciples. Now, we're not infallible judges of who's a disciple and who's not. We can't look into someone's heart and soul and say, oh, yes, we see the Spirit there. But there are evidences the Bible sets forth that will be true if a person is born again. So if, especially as Baptists, we've fought for this so throughout our whole history to believe that the church is to be comprised only of regenerate members to the best of our ability to discern that, then one of the lowest bars that we could possibly ever appeal to in terms of how a regenerate person ought to live is the regular gathering with God's people. If a person calls himself a Christian and doesn't care about the church of Jesus Christ, then he's not a Christian. He, he doesn't so love what? He doesn't love what Jesus loves. If a person calls himself a Christian and doesn't care about the church of Jesus Christ, he's not a Christian. He may be a follower of some kind of image of Christ in his mind, but he's not a follower of the true Christ. True Christ loves the church. True Christ died for the church. True Christ established the church. He's the foundation of the church. Tell me you love Jesus. You don't care about the church. You got a serious problem. Mm. So Matthew 18 uh, is a text that we appeal to often in trying to explain church discipline. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Uh, but if he doesn't listen to you, well, you're supposed to go get two or three more and go to him again. And if he listens to you that time, well, then you've won your brother. But if he uh, does not listen to you, then you're to tell it to who? The church. You tell it to the church, and it says if he doesn't listen to the church. Even the church. Because this this church is the, the final court of appeal. So if you tell it to the church, if he doesn't listen even to the church, which means the church should be saying something to him, going after mm-hmm. him, calling him to repentance and faith, well, then you let him be to you as a tax collector or a Gentile, which means there is a formal removal from the covenant membership, which implies that there is a formal entrance into the membership of the congregation. I think we've talked about that in previous um, podcasts. But is, is one of the kind of objections that probably come to this, it doesn't seem harsh to do that, to remove somebody from the congregation in such a formal way where you're saying we don't affirm you as a follower of Christ any longer. Well, no, no doubt it can be done harshly, and it's never to be done harshly. But sometimes just telling people that they are not an insider, they don't belong anymore because of the way they've chosen to live and the decisions that they've made can come across as harsh in our day and age because who are you to tell me what Mm -hmm. I can and can't participate in? One misconception about church discipline uh, that lives on in our day is the failure to uh, understand where it all starts and how it all is to normally work itself out. If a church is well taught and understands these things and recognizes, okay, the Bible teaches us, our Lord Jesus specifically teaches us how we're to handle sin in relationships, most discipline that Jesus spells out in Matthew 18, 15 through 18 will take place behind the scenes without mm-hmm. many people ever knowing mm-hmm. about it. I mean, that happens in our church. I'll hear sometimes months, years later about a, a sin issue that came up and a brother went to a brother and said, hey, you know, I want to help you to see this, you're on the wrong path, and rescued the brother. It's over. Nobody Mm -hmm. else needs to know about that. You don't go broadcast that. And sometimes it requires a couple other uh, folks to go with the brother. But if you win 
the man that you're going for and you're trying to help see his sin and recovering from sin, it's over. You don't go talk about it. You don't put it up on the screen. You know, you just, that's how God intends for us to watch over one another's discipleship and to help one another Mm -hmm. along the pathway of following Christ. Yeah. You asked an important question there. Uh, You said, who are you to tell me uh, how to live? Who are you Mm -hmm. to tell me these things? Which seems to call forth the question of authority. Uh, Does the church really have the authority to do this? If you go back to Matthew 16, and we're talking about the Mm -hmm. keys of the kingdom, this whatever's uh, bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever's loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then we see those keys exercised in Matthew 18, when the mm-hmm. congregation uh, makes this determination to remove a person from membership in the church. So there actually is an authority, and that authority comes from Christ. It's an authority that Christ has given to the church. We talk about that as a declarative authority. It doesn't mean that the decision of a congregation is infallible, right? Uh, but it does mean that Jesus himself has given this responsibility and authority to the congregation to affirm those who are saying, yes, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we hear that profession of faith. We look at somebody's life and we say, yes, uh, this person is following the Lord. And therefore, it's right that when if somebody asks, we say, well, Jesus gave us this authority. We're doing this because Jesus himself is the one who told us to do it. Right, which goes again to that whole question of, are you really following Christ? Mm. If you are a Christian, Christ is your Lord. If Christ is your Lord, what he says goes. I think today we have... Uh, many people that just think they're Christian because they were born into a Christian family or born into America uh, as a citizen, and they think, oh, of course I'm a Christian. But to think about the lordship of Jesus, and I'm a slave of Jesus Christ, not a lot of people, even within Christian circles, want to conceive of themselves that way, which the Bible tells us is true. Mm. Well, there's so much more that we could talk about. We can't get to everything here in the podcast, but if you're interested in more about church discipline, go to founders.org. Type in church discipline in the search bar. You're going to come up with all kinds of resources on the topic. When we come back, we're going to talk about a book, Exalting Christ, Essays in Honor of Fred Malone. And you know Dr. Fred Malone personally, so looking forward to hearing about this book. Founders Ministries has been able to do what we've been doing for 35 years because people have joined with us and become part of our family. Today, I'm inviting you to become a part of the Founders Fam as well. Become a Founders Alliance member. You can do this at different levels as you contribute to the work that Founders is engaged in. By going to founders.org, you can see that you can give at the trowel level, you can give at the shield level, or you can give at the sword level. And if you give at any level, we're going to send you a Founders package of materials materials. We have other exclusive material that we would make available to you as well as you contribute to help us build this ministry for the glory of God. Hey, welcome back to The Sword and the Trowel. We want to talk about a book. This book is called Exalting Christ, and it's published by Founders Press. It's a book of essays in honor of Pastor Fred Malone, a dear friend of yours, Tom. Before we get into the book itself, I kind of want to ask just a, a background question. We're a part of publishing books here at Founders Ministries. That's right. And we have chosen to publish this book about exalting Christ. And, and usually when we're publishing a book, there's something that we're concerned about. Are you concerned that people are not exalting Christ in their ministry and that there's something we need to learn from Fred Malone? Oh, absolutely. I think it's a danger. We can assume that we are uh, giving Christ the place that he deserves, when in reality we're not. And that happens all the time. It is possible to be a uh, very convinced five-point Calvinist and preach very careful 
exegetical sermons and not preach Christ. Mm. And I know that's true because I've done it. Mm. And, you know, God awakened me years ago uh, to that lack in my ministry over a period of about six months. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And God used Fred in part to help me think through that and to realize, okay, you know, the sermons are not all that bad, but the only thing missing is Christ. How, how did that happen? You be a good five-point Calvinist and not preach Christ? Yeah. What, what was going on? Yeah, well, I mean, I was preaching the text. I was doing grammatical, historical analysis of text. I was trying to make sure I was saying everything that was in the text, but if the text was not specifically related to Christ or Christ wasn't mentioned in the text, uh, and I didn't see connections. Uh, and so, man, I could tell you of details about Old Testament narratives and Old Testament settings, but— uh, tended to be more moralistic than uh-huh. seeing this is a part of the gospel. This is how God's unfolded his saving revelation. And Fred has done that better than anybody that I know. I mean, from as long as I've known him, he's been very clear in presenting the gospel, showing how the gospel relates to all the life, all of life, and showing how the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. So when the desire came about in the hearts of uh, one of his fellow elders and some of his friends, to publish a book of essays in his honor, of course it's going to be a book about exalting Christ because that typifies Fred Malone's ministry. Uh-huh. So so one more preliminary question before you get into you tell me kind of about the nuts and bolts of the book. I'm thinking about a, an article I even saw recently, I think this was on founders.org, about um, preaching the gospel. A lot of talk about the gospel being gospel centric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a season in Reformed evangelicalism, like every book had the word gospel in it in right. some form or fashion. But can you can you say, well, we're going to be all about the gospel, but actually miss Christ? Oh, absolutely. How's that happen? Absolutely. Well, you can talk about the gospel as if it is this fix, or as if it is this system, or if this is, as if it's a formula. And you forget, we're talking about a person. Mm. We're talking about the, the second member of the Trinity, the one who became flesh. And if you lose sight of that, then, again, you can talk about a lot of good doctrinal things, but you're going to miss the mark because it's all about Jesus Christ. It's about the, the person of God in flesh. And this book recognizes that, tries to keep that in front of us in three different areas. I mean, it's exalting Christ in the home, it's a wonderful article, touching article, written by uh, Joanna, uh, who is Fred's daughter now, married daughter, and then preaching Christ, or exalting Christ in preaching or in the pulpit, and those are essays on preaching, and then exalting Christ in the church about pastoral ministry and shepherding the flock. So it's a wonderful book. Uh, it's especially good for pastors. It's been good for me. Uh, you and I worked through these essays together as we were getting it ready for print. And uh, I've gone back to it on occasion and read specific chapters to just remind me and to give me insight, especially on preaching. So I commend the book. It's really mm. good. You can get it at founders.org. It's available through Founders Press. Mm. So if I'm listening to this and I say, okay, this the the cover looks amazing. So that's certainly something that's been yeah, buy the, the book, book for the cover. Buy the book for the cover. Um, but if I say, boy, I what what do I really need? Any particular chapter, particular point in the book that you say you need to get it because so-and-so talks about this. Yeah, well, I would say that if you are a parent, then you need to read Joanna's opening mm-hmm. chapter about exalting Christ in the home. I mean, that is, a, that is a challenge every parent faces. We can get caught up in rules or we can get caught up in trying to cultivate the individual personalities of our children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we forget Christ, it doesn't matter how good we are on those other things. So for parents, it would be that. Uh, for preaching, the Conrad and Bayways article, I think, would be just wonderful about how you set forth Christ 
in exposition of scripture. So mm. pastors, I would strongly encourage to look at that. Very good. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue our study through the scripture and looking at the commands that God has given us there. One of the most important issues going on in the world right now are issues over justice and social justice. So Founders Ministries is going to be holding a national conference in Louisville, Kentucky, downtown at the Seelbach Hotel, May 14th through May 16th, in which we're going to address these issues and seek to bring biblical clarity to all of the confusion that's going on right now. We are only 15 minutes away from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And you can tell by my tie that it is a biblical spirituality tie, which means I am a PhD graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Believe it or not, I'm not the only speaker that's going to be there that is a doctoral graduate of Southern Seminary. If four, four of the men who will be speaking at this conference are doctoral graduates, of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, one of which is uh, Dr. Josh Bice, the leader of the G3 conference in Atlanta, Georgia. We're also gonna have other speakers like Pastor Tom Askell, who's the president of Founders Ministries and who has been heavily involved in the work of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary throughout the years and the professors that are there. Dr. Tom Nettles, who is the former professor of historical theology there at Southern Seminary is going to be speaking as well. So we wanna have a big family reunion. If you're at Southern Seminary as a student or a professor, come join us, drive 15 minutes downtown to the Seelbach Hotel and we'll see you May 14th through the 16th. I almost forgot. Since I'm an alum of Southern Seminary and so many of our speakers are alumni of Southern Seminary, we're actually going to offer a discount to all Southern Seminary students. So when you go to founders.org and you register for the conference, make sure to check out that discount. And since we're good Christians, we're actually going to do that for anybody who's a student at any of our seminaries. Welcome back to The Sword and the Trial with Jared Longshore and Tom Aspel. Jared, what are we going to talk about in this final segment? We're going to talk about the law of God. We're going to talk about the law of God in the third segment. And commandments that Jesus Christ gave. Okay. John 14, 1. What's it say? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me. Believe in me. That is a command, as is, let not your heart be troubled. Okay, hold on. I'm going to have to Are give you, okay? you another grammar lesson, Are you I? okay with let not your heart be troubled? Of course I am. Jesus said it. Why would I not be okay with it? Let not your heart be troubled. Right. Is it's it passive? It's, it's a passive imperative. It's imperative. Yes, a passive one. But as opposed you must to be an, born again. It's an indicative statement. It's an indicative statement. Right. Let not. Let not. Your heart That's be a, troubled. That is an imperative. Okay. So you see the, the difference? Yeah, I think so. Good. I think so. I don't have time to teach you grammar, bro. I'm old. My heart's troubled. <laughs> Let it not be. Um, believe in me. Believe in Christ. That's a command. Yes, it is. It's something that all people must do because God has said they must do it. That's right. So faith is a duty, which, as you know, that was a big controversy historically. Uh, gospel worthy of all acceptation, Andrew that, Fuller. That's right. He's right over there behind your right shoulder. Yes, he is. People that are watching on the video can't see it, though. One day. We one will day let them might. see it. 
One day they might. If they join the fam, we will give them a little private oh, tour. Oh, if you get to be the fam, you get like another camera <laughs> angle. I like it. Um, believe in Christ. Does that mean that I simply need to intellectually um, agree that Jesus Christ live in the same way that I believe Abraham Lincoln was a president of the United States. Well, it means you must believe that, but you must not stop at that. That's not sufficient. It's not sufficient. It's not it's obedience necessary. to a No, it is believe in the sense of you trust, you, um, you believe into him. If we're going to use some of the grammar of the new Testament, but you become a follower of him. You depend upon him. You stake your life and your soul upon him, mm-hmm. much like you are staking your uh, welfare on the chair you're sitting in. Mm. You know, if that chair's not trustworthy, you're going to be on the ground because you've put all your weight on that chair. So you put all of your life in the hands of Jesus. You depend upon him as Lord. And it is a command, and it is a universal obligation to everyone who mm-hmm. hears the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, actually, that embedded in the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments is this duty to believe. How in the world can you have no other gods mm-hmm. beside the true God without trusting Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. So this isn't something that only uh, New Testament Christians were to do. Absolutely This is something uh, that all uh, those who are in Christ, Old Testament and New, were to do. Trust in the Messiah, believe in Christ. Right. And, um, you know, when, I'm, when I think about people preaching, um, repent and believe, repent and believe— Sometimes we can feel like, oh boy, repent, you know, that's a, that's kind of harsh. I'm kind of telling people this is what they need to do, but believe is not, you know, we almost feel like it's not something, but they're both commands. Right. We're telling them to repent and we're telling them to believe. And what's helpful with remembering that believing in Christ or to believe in Christ is a command is to remember that none of us obey God's commands in and of ourselves. Right. None of us obey God's commands without God's sovereign grace moving us to obey them. And so as we're telling people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're remembering that if God doesn't so work in a particular individual, then he's not going to believe Yeah, and, and this, there's two things. One, faith is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. uh, 8 and 9 mm-hmm. indicate that. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It Either it, it being faith or it the whole operation of salvation, including faith. And then in uh, Acts 16, when the Lord opened Lydia's heart, mm-hmm. she was listening to, uh, paying attention to, receiving, believing the things that she had been taught. So faith is definitely a gift. And it's, it's also the uh, opposite side of the same coin that you find repentance on. So mm-hmm. you, you never savingly repent without believing. You never savingly believe without repenting. It's uh, what was written of the Thessalonians in, I think it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, it says they turned from idols to the true God. Mm-hmm. So you you trust in the true God by turning away from false gods. You believe in Jesus by turning away from everything else that you've staked your life on. Mm-hmm. And it's an obligation. This So we keep talking about God's law and commands in this third segment. I want to emphasize here what's true here has been true uh, through every law or command that we have addressed so far. Uh, we are not saying that we obey God's commands by our own strength or by our own power. Right. Every single command we fulfill by God's grace through faith. We trust God in, in trusting God. We take him at his word and we obey him. Well, thank you so much for being with us today uh, here at the Sword and the Trowel. We want to remind you that May 14th through May 16th, we will be gathering in Louisville, Kentucky. 
at the, what's the hotel? Seelbach. The Seelbach Hotel. Downtown. For the Founders National Conference. Details at founders.org. And we want to thank you. If you have joined the FAM, then we extend a great appreciation to you that you have joined us in the fight and you're supporting us. Check out founders.org. Check out what it means to be a part of the FAM and get resourced by Founders Ministries.